You're listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Hello, this is Pete Lutz, creator of Pulpery Theater, an audio drama series that just completed its first season on podcast. I discovered the Sonic Society early in 2014 and contacted Jack about the possibility of getting featured on an episode. He was immediately open to it and featured our first two episodes soon after. I found Jack to be very enthusiastic about Pulpery Theater and almost excited as I was when a new episode came out. In all, I believe he has promoted at least six of the first dozen episodes, and I am grateful beyond words for this boost. The Sonic Society is a boon to the audio drama world, and Jack Ward is a good friend, not only to the genre, but also to me and others like me. Congratulations to Jack and the Society for ten glorious years on the web, and best wishes for many more. Let me get this straight, amigo. It's almost identically what the policeman said. Excuse me? I oh, don't mind me. Spent too much time wandering the audio verse. You end up you... talking to yourself. Or others. Have you noticed anything unusual? Unusual? And broken seat? I just make AD, amigo, but now that's strange. <laughs> There's some kind of haze going on in the OTR quadrant. Well, it is old-time radio, so it should be a little hazy shit. Man! That's my swag cast. I clean up the old-time radio as best as possible and make regular releases. There shouldn't be any problem with the signal If there's going to be some kind of incursion, old-time radio might be the first stop. the bane of my existence. What's on tonight? Maybe we can get a ping on it. Tonight's episode will be another of Colonial Radio Theatre's Vincent Price Presents shows, The Abominable Dr. Fives, and Sean T. Young's The Epic Adventurers. By Crom! One of Hollywood's most famous and scariest actors, Vincent Price, made a name for himself in classic mysteries and thrillers throughout the 1940s, 50s, and 60s. Now, the Colonial Radio Theater on the Air, in association with Blue Water Productions, brings you Vincent Price Presents. We'll be featuring stories of horror and suspense inspired by some of Mr. Price's most famous films, as well as creating new, frightening tales with the assistance of his estate. Now, turn the lights out, sit back, and welcome to the macabre world of Vincent Price in tonight's tale, The Abominable Dr. Fives, The Deadly Comedy. Evening, Mr. Wolf. Oh, Rossiter, you blithering bloody idiot. You scared the life out of me. Oh, sorry about that, Mr. Wolf. Just doing a few repairs before we open again on Monday. You got what you wanted, then? Eh? The parcel under your arm, sir. I remember you were saying a few weeks ago you were waiting for a book. Something from overseas. That's right. Research for my role. A little late for that, isn't it? 
Jack, and the Beanstalk's only got another week to run. Yes, well, uh, international delivery. Blame the Postal Service. Murder mystery next week. I like a good murder, don't you, sir? Not particularly. Oh, perhaps you just haven't read a really good one. There's a lady writer name of Christie. Only been at it a few years, but she writes a good murder. Oh, yeah, I like a good murder, I do. The bloodier, the better. Is anybody else here tonight, Roster? Just you and me, sir. By rights, there's only supposed to be me. The management knew I was letting actors back in after the performance is finished. I don't know what they say. I'll, I'll be in my dressing room. I don't want to be disturbed. No one near to disturb you, sir. Oh, Mr. Wolf. Yes? I see we've beaten the trend once again, sir. Trend? The pantomime's still making money, even though we're past Christmas. Well, uh, hurrah. Now then. Good God. This is it. This is it. Where is it? Where's the name? Oh, it's here. I never thought, never dreamed. Oh, if only Fibes were here now, what would he say? An excellent question, Carl. <gasps> what would I say? Fibes? Wh- where are you? The mirror, Carl. Mirror? Look. In the mirror, what do you see? I... I see myself. Just myself. Look again. Now what do you see? No. It's impossible! They say an eye for an eye will make the whole world blind. I have something more permanent in mind. The world is about to end, Carl. For you. It's some sort of a trick mirror, sir. What? The mirror, sir, what's left of it. You look at it from this angle, you can see your reflection. That's how mirrors work, Sergeant. Yes, sir, but if you turn your head just a little, you can see right through it. Into the next room. So Carl Wolf must have seen this. Three heads. Mannequin heads with one eye each. Well, the center head has only one eye because someone in the next room fired through it. Massive wounded Wolf's head, see? I've seen it, thank you. But look at the exit wound on the back side. Where? Back side of his head, sir. Oh. It's massive. Be honest, sir. Have you ever seen a hole this big? Look, I can wave at you through it. Thank you, Sergeant. That'll be quite enough. And look at the tongue on this one. Tongue? The mannequin head. It, oh, it's a curly strip of paper. Oh, hang on. There's something written on it. We will meet the river sticks when the time is right. What do you suppose that means, sir? Not a clue. It's a mystery inside an enigma wrapped in a something bloody annoying... Uh, You there. Uh, What's your name again? Rossiter, Mr. Pike. It's Trout. Inspector Trout. Who uses the dressing room next door? No one, sir. Originally, it belonged to the goose. Goose? The goose that laid the golden egg, sir. In Jack and the Beanstalk. Yes, yes, of course. But he complained about having trouble with his pipes. Sore throat? Radiator, sir. 
He said there was so much steam in there his goose was almost cooked. <laughs> anyway, we moved him out a fortnight ago and the room's been empty ever since. In the meantime, someone got in, made a hole in the wall and set up this mirror in the fake edge just so they could shoot Wolf. Not just to shoot him, Sergeant. Mr. Wolf was robbed as well. How'd he work that out, sir? By using common sense. Blood doesn't go round corners, so there was something in front of him on the makeup table when he was murdered. Something that was later removed, leaving this space. Looks like it could have been a book, sir. It's about the right size. Probably the book he brought with him. You never told me about any book. You never asked me. He's right, sir. You didn't. Well, I'm asking you now, Mr. Rossiter, what book? Oh, he was moaning about it for weeks. Something he had to get from abroad. Wittgenstein, Wittgenberg, somewhere like that. All he said was it was connected to the play. Jack and the Beanstalk? That's the one. Why, couldn't just read it at home, I don't know. Perhaps he didn't feel safe at home. Hmm, so instead he comes to the theatre where he thinks he'll be all alone and ends up getting shot through the head. With an eyeball. Come again, sir. Over here, Godfrey, in the corner. Bless my soul. You wanted to know what could have made a hole that big in Coral Wolf's head. This did. And that's why the scented dummy's head only has one eye. Because the other... Hang about, this is crackers, sir. Crackers it might be, Godfrey, but it happened. But what sort of weapon fires eyeballs, for God's sake? Something specially made for the purpose. To make something like that, you'd have to be a genius. Or a lunatic. Both. Someone you know, Inspector. I doubt it, Godfrey. I very much doubt it. But there was one man. He was before your time. He killed more than a dozen men. And not one of them in any way you'd call straightforward. All his murders were quirky, macabre. But it can't be him. I suppose if you're so certain, it must be because he was hanged, sir. No, no, he wasn't hanged. The last time I saw him was in Egypt. Egypt? Egypt. He on a raft sailing down a long-forgotten river with his dead wife next to him. Sounds like a bit of a peculiar character, sir. Peculiar doesn't begin to describe him. He was obsessive, completely depraved, and far and away the most evil individual I've ever encountered. And yet, you're sure it can't be him? No, it's impossible, just impossible. He got what he wanted, and everyone who stood in his way is dead. He'd have no reason to come back. But who is he, sir? fellow by the name of... Fibes. Dr. Anton Fibes. And I can assure you, he is responsible for the murder of Carl Wolf. Yeah, you just can't walk in here. It's theater's private property. He's not with you, is he, Inspector? He's not, but I'd like to speak to him all the same. I'm interested in meeting anyone who's got an opinion about Fibes, and right now, I'm more interested than ever. Most kind, Inspector Trout. We haven't met before, have we? I feel certain you would have remembered. Yes, I dare say I would have. All right then, mister, just who are you? My name is Thanatos. Thanatos. <laughs> Sounds foreign. Haven't you got work to do, Rossiter? Please yourself. Bella tries to help. Look at the thanks he gets. I pay my taxes too, you know. I like a good murder. <sighs> Thank God for that. You were saying, sir... I believe Mr. Thanatos was about to tell us all about himself, Inspector. Who I am, gentlemen, 
is not as important as the help I can provide. Help? Who says I need help? Twice you have pursued Fibes. Twice he has escaped. You deny this? I don't deny it, but that doesn't give you the right to walk in on a police investigation and act like you're taking charge. Not taking charge, Inspector. But I expect you to follow my guidance at all times. Oh, yes, sir. And how would you like to be giving that guidance from a jail, sir, while you're facing a charge of obstructing the police in the course of an investigation? I think, Sergeant Godfrey, that your Superintendent Waverley might have something to say about that. Waverley? Precisely how you feel, Trot, but my hands are tied. Mr. Thanatos will be assisting you on this case, and you're obliged to obey any instructions he may give you. Obliged by who? Uh, whom, sir? Shut up, Godfrey! Mr. Thanatos here isn't a police officer. He isn't even English. What gives him the authority? Our government. That's whom. I think that one should be who, sir. Shut up, up Godfrey. Godfrey! People in the Greek government put pressure on people in our government. They put pressure on me, and now I'm putting it on you. Nobody likes the situation, but there it is. Surely, if I am able to assist you in capturing Fibes, the momentary inconvenience will have been worth it. If it even is this Fibes character. And why do you think Fibes is behind this, Mr. Thanatos? This is obviously a work of his. Well, he always was a theatrical blighter. You don't get much more theatrical than a murder in a theatre, I suppose. The three gypsies with a single eye represent the Moray entities who trace the fate. Greek theme, eh? That certainly sounds like Fibes's style. How so, sir? Fibes has a PhD in theology, Sergeant. His first crime wave was based on the biblical plagues. Frogs, rats, hail, blood. The locusts were particularly vile. That poor nurse. Not a bit of flesh left on her face. <sighs> And his second crime wave, sir? Just nasty for the sake of it, if you ask me. What's he after? Revenge, originally. He was out to kill everyone he accused of botching his wife's operation. You mentioned a wife before, sir. Yes, let me think. What was her name? Victoria. Victoria, that's it. Well, shortly after her death, Fibes himself supposedly died in a car accident. But I suspected that the ashes stored in the family vault were those of a chauffeur. Yes, I remember how certain you were of that at the time, sir. So Fibes faked his own death, then? Not intentionally, Sergeant Godfrey. He was horribly injured in that accident also. Any ordinary man would have died. But... He was motivated by his all-consuming love for Victoria. Most of the time, Fibes wore clever makeup to disguise his appearance. But I caught a brief glimpse of his real face. Horrible. There was almost nothing left of the man. And he'd lost the ability to speak, through his mouth anyway. Come again, sir. Fibes invented a device which, when inserted into his neck, enabled him to communicate. I don't think I've heard anything stranger than that voice. Like a gramophone recording that could talk back. And with better manners and a broader vocabulary. After he'd done away with most of the doctors he was after, Fibes went into hiding for three years. When he reappeared, he left England bound for Egypt, convinced that the waters in some lost temple could bring his beloved wife back from the dead. The Lake of Eternity. Sounds crackers to me. 
You may call it crackerous, Sergeant Godfrey. I would call it selfishness. As you like, Mr. Fanadus. And what happened in Egypt, Inspector? We can't say for certain. Trout and I went out there, determined to bring him to justice in a British court of law. We had an outstanding warrant, you understand. But he eluded us once again. Even with the superintendent's invaluable assistance. All right, so say for the sake of argument, it is Fibes. What did he want with Coral Wolf? The man was an actor, for God's sake. That's hardly like killing a real person at all. Wolf was more than an actor, Inspector Trout. He was a scholar, a traveller, an esthete. All-round Renaissance man, eh? In his arcane studies at the universities of Miskatonic and Wittenberg, his path crossed that of Vibes more than once. It is entirely likely that he may have come across some work that related to the doctor's perverted obsessions. It's your book, Jack and the Beanstalk. Jack and the Beanstalk? It's a children's story, sir, about a boy who buys some magic beans. I know what it's about, Sergeant. But what does it have to do with Wolf's murder? Perhaps a good deal, Superintendent Waverley. What became of this book? Fibes took it. I mean the person we imagined to be Fibes took it. God alone knows why. God alone. You realize that many traditional tales have their origins in ancient legends. And those legends frequently possess more than a grain of truth. Jack. And the beanstalk? No one truly knows the origin of this story. But you are no doubt familiar with the story of Prometheus, who stole fire from Zeus. Of course. Of course. Compare it with the story of Jack, who took the giant's riches. You see the points of comparison? Yes, very clever, but I don't see why that would interest Fibes. No, nor do I. Ha! And you're the bloke who's supposed to be advising us? Very valuable your insight is turning out to be. One thing I know for certain, Inspector Trout. This murder is an invitation. Fibes wants you to go and meet him. Meet him? I should bloody... Coco! Look, Thanatos... Your hypotheses are very interesting and presumptuous, but... The message he left specifically for you. We will meet at the River Styx when the time is right. Oi, how'd you get hold of that? By removing it from your pocket, Sergeant Godfrey. A policeman should be more careful. All right, now that you've got it, what does it mean? We are in London, yes? Obviously. When he writes, the River Styx, he means the River Thames. And how does one tell the time in London? I use the pocket watch my mother bought me. The Big Ben. It's just Big Ben, Thanatos, not the Big Ben. Actually, Big Ben is just the name of the bell. The actual clock tower is... Thank you, Sergeant. All right, then. Assuming Fibes means we're supposed to meet him on the Thames, underneath the Big Ben, at what time would that be? Can't you see what is in front of you? Hmm? The eye? Oh, the eye... Uh, I've got that in my other pocket. No, you haven't. I'm betting Fanato says that too. Quite correct, Inspector Trout. Take a close look at the iris. It's not the iris. It's a clock face. The face of Big Ben. And the time? Midnight. The witching hour. Of course. What else would it be? Perfect. I'll have a score of men positioned there waiting to pounce. If you do that... Fibes will simply vanish. The trap is meant for Inspector Trout alone. Did you say trap? 
Why couldn't you just say appointment? Of course. You cannot have an inspector without his sergeant. Oh. Oh. Good. Don't worry, Godfrey. I would have volunteered you. I'll say this for our friend, Inspector. He certainly has more stage presence than the victim. Thank you, Sergeant Godfrey. Don't get too smug, Thanatos. We are following your crazy theory for the lack of anything better. Still, I'm not happy. He isn't. I don't like people I don't know thinking they can tell me what to do. Be fair, sir. You don't much like people you do know thinking they can tell you what to do. I am just trying to make it plain, Sergeant, that Mr. Thanatos shouldn't expect me to trust him. It is a mutual feeling, Inspector Trout. I wouldn't trust the two of you handling this either. You certainly seem to know a lot about fibes for someone who just showed up out of nowhere. Let us simply say we are old acquaintances. No, Thanatos, let's not simply say that. I'd like to know what you and Fibes... Sir, listen. Midnight. The witching hour. Stop calling it that. So, it's midnight. And no sign of Fibes. Now what? On the river. A gondola. But that can't be Fibes piling it. It's a woman. Victoria Fibes, perhaps. Victoria? No, it is not Victoria. It is Volnavia. Her as well. This just isn't my night. Who's uh, Vol... uh, Vol... Volnavia. God alone knows. Fibes' servant. But what she is, that's another question. What she is? I saw her die, Sergeant. The victim of one of her master's ghastly traps. She just burned away under a stream of acid. But when I caught up with Fives in Egypt, there she was again. With a pretty girl like that helping him, makes you wonder why he'd even want his missus back. <clears throat> Insolent dog! Sorry, sir. By rights, Thanatos, I should arrest you for assaulting an officer. But if you did, we'd lose track of Vilnavia. After her! She's heading into that tunnel! See the sign? Abandon all hope. I couldn't imagine a more appropriate place for such a line than under the Houses of Parliament. She is playing the part of Sharon. Sharon who? Sharon, sir, the ferryman to the underworld. Oh, right. Well, I suppose we should follow her then. Very well, Thanatos. If Volnavia's here... I believe Fives is involved. Your confidence is most gratifying, Inspector Trout. I just wish he wasn't, that's all. Weren't, sir. I wish he weren't. Shut up, Godfrey. So what comes next in these mythological books of yours? Well... Excuse me, Mr. Uh, Fanatos, may I? Certainly. Well, sir, many plays state that you meet Cerberus guarding the entrance to the underworld. Cerberus? It's a dog with three heads. Are you sure it is three heads, Sergeant? Yes, in most of the versions. Most? Uh, except for Theogony, where he has... Fifty heads. My God. Giant clockwork hounds. Clockwork? Another one of Fibes' unusual talents. 
What's it doing now? I don't know, but I don't like it. This... this sculpture will explode into flames at any second. What? Inspector Trout, forgive my manners, but this is not a time for politeness. Here, let go of me! Don't push! My arm, Sergeant. My arm. <coughs> Gobblers to anyone who says drowning is supposed to be a peaceful way to die. This is disgusting. I feel like a trout going down the river. Uh, I mean... I know what you mean. No doubt there's some fishy business going on down here. Listen, you hear that? I hear it, but I can't explain it. Sounds like jazz music, sir. Why would someone be playing jazz in a tunnel underneath the House of Parliament? I'm betting it's another one of Fibes' creations. A jazz band? Dr. Fibes' clockwork wizards, he called them. I saw them in his home in London, and he had another lot in his Egyptian lair. Well, I suppose it's less ominous than a siren sound. What happened to Thanatos? Not sure. I suppose he must have been... burned. So... What do we do now? Now, I suppose we follow the music. Ah. Come on. The man in the cloak conducting the band, that's... Fibes. So we finally meet. Shut up, Sergeant. Inspector Trout. It's been a long time, Fibes. I am honored you accepted my invitation. An artist like myself needs a proper audience to appreciate my masterstroke. You could have just telephoned me, you know. I hope you don't mind if I dine. Since I am able to eat through the aperture of my neck, it shouldn't interrupt our conversation. Nice place you have here. I like the shields. Very baronial. And these are very pretty sculptures and photos of Victoria. How is the little woman, by the way? Your culture and tastes impress me, Inspector. I'm sure you have heard of the Furies. Let me guess. More mythology. The Furies are the goddesses of vengeance, sir. They punish evils made against relatives and beloved... I am talking. (gasps) Matt! You bloody monster fibes! I do so hate to be interrupted. One of my little devices. Amusing, don't you think? I do not think. No, I don't suppose you do. What's that? You are perhaps aware of the legend of the Medusa, the creature with snakes atop her head. Rings a bell. My clockwork creation cannot turn you to stone. Alas, but her aim is true. (gasps) No wonder people never accept invitations to your parties, Fibes. Let me explain to you how lucky you will be dying now rather than later, Inspector. Sorry if I feel a little busy for your stories. An intelligent man always finds time to think. Right now, you should think really fast. As always, it all began, Victoria. Oh, you're a late wife. 
I'm surprised not to see her this evening. Uh, don't tell me she left you after all the trouble you went to. The lake of eternity failed to resurrect her. Oh, it could keep my mortal enemy by the back alive for centuries. But to bring one back, it would demand much more than Egyptian magic. I tried Sumer, Babylon, Greek rituals, and they all equally failed. None was powerful enough. Too bad. Still, you know what they say, if at first you don't succeed... It seemed they were smaller versions of some ancient lost religion. There was so much they could do. But this lost god, whatever it was, that was the power I was looking for. Oscard, eh? Didn't live up a beanstalk by any chance, did he? Are you going to listen, Trout, or are you going to interrupt? You're going to kill me anyway, aren't you? Despair took me, for hopes of finding such a religion were futile. Until I read an article by that dreadful butcher Vesalius. An article about different types of virus. Vesalius? The one doctor victim you failed to kill. He is very well, by the way. Damn it. A primitive virus outbreak in a minor city of Africa. You don't... Say! Ah. 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 The virus kills the host in a very short time span, dying with the victim. Almost the whole village dead in a week. And all of a sudden, it all made sense. This ancient religion worshipped a primitive god, a source of unlimited power, which, once its wrath was unleashed, could not control its own plagues and devastated all its temples, religious books, even himself, and any proof of its existence. <laughs> but let me tell you the good thing about gods. They are far easier to resurrect than humans when you find their original name. To make him bring my wife back from the dead before it kills itself and the rest of mankind. Leaving this desert planet to be our lonely corner of the great Elysian fields, where our love will live forever. I am done with you now, Trout. Thank you for listening. Medusa, finish him. You're far too fond of ornamentation, Anton. Your wall-mounted shields are excellent for beheading a Medusa. A variation on the legend, but effective nonetheless. Oh, thank God. All of these years, Anton, and you still hadn't learned that what is dead should remain dead. No. No, you will not interfere with my plans, old man. Don't you of all people want Victoria back? I'd rather have her dead than married to someone like yourself. I tend to agree with him, Fibes. I appreciated my meal, but the dessert lacks in taste. I did not set a place for an uninvited guest. Let us go, Valnavia. Oh, no, you don't. Oh! Glass wall. Inspector Trout, I really think we should get out of here. I think I broke my nose. Now! He... Knew you. He knew you. Who the bloody hell are you? I am the worst kind of enemy a man like him can have. 
a father-in-law. Father-in-law, and you're victorious. My past doesn't matter now. Fibes is gone. We've lost him. And he already has the god's name. Nothing in the world can stop him now. been listening to Vincent Price Presents and tonight's tale, The Abominable Dr. Fibes, The Deadly Comedy. Starring Jerry Robbins as Dr. Anton Fibes, J.T. Turner as Inspector Harold Trout, Tom Berry as Fanatos, Lucian E.G. Spellman as Sergeant Godfrey, James Talek as Superintendent Waverly, Sam Donato as Rossiter, and Todd Radford as Carl Wolf. Tonight's play was dramatized for radio by M.J. Elliott, based on the Blue Water comic written by Adriano, and was produced by Tony Raymond. Executive producers were Mark Vanderberg and Darren G. Davis, and the program was directed by Jerry Robbins with music by Jeffrey Gage. Until next time, this is Bill Hammond bidding you a heartfelt farewell. Vincent Price Presents is under a copyright by the Vincent Price Estate and Darren G. Davis. Audio production copyright by Colonial Radio Theater on the air. The Epic Adventurers by Sean T. Young. Episode 1, The Rusty Dragon Our story takes place in the distant lands of Caledon, in a time of great turmoil. The great empire of Thane, once the pinnacle of civilization for over a thousand years, had fallen into ruins generations ago. The once proud seven kingdoms of the empire have all reverted back into sovereign nations. The largest of these kingdoms, the western lands of Vestlandia, is where our tale begins. Several miles outside of Starlem, the crumbling ancient capital of the Empire, is one of the most popular taverns in the kingdom, the Rusty Dragon. Known far and wide for its delicious food and fine stout ale, it is also known as the place to go to hire adventurers. Mercenaries, wizards, rogues, warriors, and adventurers of every race, color, class, and culture come through the doors of the Rusty Dragon, all seeking fame and fortune. Yeah, yeah. Well, as I live and breathe, if it ain't me favorite barbarian, Mr. Roth now. Well met, sir. Well, greetings and well met, Bruce. I see you got the uh, Iron Dragon statue out front repaired. How's business? Not bad, not bad. But much better since you bashed in the heads of that ogre gang used to extort the tavern, I dare say. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Good times, good times. Hey, uh... I reserved the drafting table, you know, the big round one in the back. Certainly, sir. Putting the party together, are we? Yeah, yes and no. 
You got a patron that uh, wants us to help him out on some deadly mission? Uh, word's been out on the streets for a while now. You know, typical places. Thieves Guild, Black Market, the maid schools, temples, warrior academy, adventures, old folks home. Oh, and uh, by the way, set us up a tab. My uh, patron's going to be footing the bill on this one. <laughs> Very good, sir. Certainly, sir. I'll bring around a bunch of tankards of ale, some bread and cheese, a roast boar. How's that sound for starters? Yeah, sounds great. Now, leave the keg. Oh, and uh, bring out a shitload of those uh, pasties. You know, the ones with the curry. Gods, I love those things. Sabretooth cat dragon. Brother Steven. Come here, you old bastard. How you been? I'm doing fine, thank you. Uh, you look well, Rosna. Lovely to see you again. I didn't know you actually wore clothes other than just a loincloth and a sword. Oh, yeah, the hide armor. I didn't have that last time, did I? Yeah, I killed a dire bear a while back. Uh, skin's tough as nails. And look at you with all those fancy robes. Moving up in the church, are you? I'm a full priest now, just under High Priest Ostentine. However, I still retain the title of brother since I'm in the order of adventuring clerics. Well, pull up a chair next to me here and uh, grab an ale. You can still drink, can't you? Aye, and then some. Hey, <laughs> Whoa, what the hell is that? Some sort of savage by the looks of him, I suppose. You be Rothnar? Ah, that I am. Let's see. Dark skin, ritual scarification. Fancy feathers. I'm uh, gonna go out on a limb here and guess you're not from around these parts. I'm guessing uh, Fetterlong or uh, Borada Hatuk? Yep, Borada Hatuk. From Kingdom of Hasamatapela. You been to Borada Hatuk? No, no, I've uh, seen it on maps. So. <laughs> Nobody from here been to Borada Hatuk. He's 5,000 miles south across Great Ocean. I uh, didn't catch your name there, traveler. My name is Zambuko. I am shaman. Manu tell me over a year ago. Go north across great ocean. Go north to great capital city. Manu say Zambuco needed for a big quest. Okay then. Sounds like you're in. Who's this uh, Manu guy anyway? Manu not guy. Manu be spirits. Manu know things. Manu have great power. Yes, the uh, the gods and spirits often lead the way, even to those not attuned things are often. All right, all right, enough of the religiosity. Can you fight? Zambuku, you spear, never miss. Zambuku can fight. I say, uh, your necklace there, is that made of tiger teeth? No tigers in Barada Hatun. Lion teeth. Lions, lizard men, trolls, dinosaurs, Mokeli and Bembe, Gru, hyenas, giant frogs, baboons, snakes, tarasks. Everything will kill you in Borada Hatok. That is why even shaman are fierce warriors. But no tigers in Borada. Hey, 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 uh, uh, excuse me, uh, is this the uh, rusty dragon? Sure is, sweetie. What can I do for you? Oh, excellent. I'm, uh, I'm looking for a barbarian named uh, uh, Rothar. Rothar? Yes, he's in the back, over at the drafting table. Uh, you know, uh, it's funny, the, uh, the term barbarian is uh, uh, rather a misnomer. Uh, 
most of the barbaric tribes, these days actually uh, quite civilized, but Dave is kind of holdover from the, uh, uh, the time of the... Uh, yeah, he's at the Drassel What in the name of Groma? Yes, I'm uh, uh, looking for a barbarian named... Uh, yeah, I'm Rothnar. What's your name, good sir? I, I, I'm uh, Arterglund Fidgal, a noted uh, sage, uh, alchemist, and artificer. So, you're a wizard then? Well, what makes you say that? Well, you don't have the uh, physique of a toe-to-toe fighter. And with the glasses and the funny hat and all, I figured you're a wizard. You're that kind of bookish look. Well, I'm uh, not a wizard, as such. Uh, Whereas a wizard draws their uh, uh, knowledge and uh, potency from the arcane power that flows through the cosmos, I uh, observe the motions of the uh, celestial bodies and their relationship to the uh, certain astronomical and mathematical formulas, which... uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so pretty much you're a wizard for all intents and purposes. Uh, So, uh, Arnon, Goofy, what what the hell was your name again? Darted Glenfed Gallad, uh, doted uh, sage, uh, alchemist, and uh, artificer. Uh, parents couldn't decide which letters to use, so they just used them all, huh? Anyway, uh, Arnie, uh, uh, what can you bring to the party? Well, uh, I am a, a genius, and I have a, uh, an encyclopedic knowledge of uh, almost everything uh, adventure-wise. Well, what can you do in combat? You gonna swing a book at someone or cast a spell at him? <laughs> well, uh, I don't uh, cast spells as, as such, uh, but but I do have a, a large arsenal of uh, potions, uh, contraptions, and uh, uh, devices to uh, b- befuddle, snare, uh, confound, and uh, defeat the enemy. Uh, in fact, uh, one of them I am especially fond of. The uh, flask of the salamander actually allows me to turn into a... Turn into a nude. Okay, okay. So you're, you're a gadget man. Sounds good. Pull up a broom. Well, thank you, uh, good sir. Uh, I don't drink alcohol, uh, as it uh, impairs the mind and the motor functions. And, uh, uh, I can't have the cheese. Uh, I'm lactose intolerant. It uh, bind me all up and give me gas, which is uh, a dangerous combination with some of my inventions. Uh, oh, and I have to have the uh, gluten-free bread. Uh, I have irritable bowels. Oh, well, uh, by the way, I hope if we're going into any uh, dungeons, uh, that there's no dust or... Just play havoc with my allergies. Uh, oh, and I hope there's no spiders or spider webs. I have a dreadful case of arachnophobia. Uh, how did you survive into adulthood? Well, uh, I have a genius. Hey, hey, well, 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 right, hey Steven, check out these two honeys coming your way. Oh, yes, they seem uh, rather mobile. Oh, thank the gods. This party was turning into a total sausage fest. Hey, uh, ladies, uh, hail and uh, well met. Well met. Well met. Well met. So you must be Hrothnar. The name is pronounced Hrothnar. Hrothnar? No, no, Hrothnar. You're saying the same thing I am. You can't tell the difference between Hrothnar and Hrothnar. Hrothnar. Never mind. So, you ladies, uh, come to join our little party then. That we have. I am Shalina, sword maiden from the kingdom of New Osland. And I am the sorceress Wakia. I hail from the elven forest near the ruins of the ancient kingdom of Tandost. Nice. Hey, uh, what is it with you uh, female adventure types and your, uh, your armor, anyway? What do you mean? 
Well, like, for instance, you've got uh, these giant-ass shoulder guards, uh, spiked metal breast covers, uh, chainmail bikini bottoms, uh, high leather boots, uh, not much else. Love those boots, by the way. Don't you think it's sexy? Hells yes, it's sexy. I'm mean, looking at Wakia here. She's just got a diaphanous robe that barely covers anything. It's nearly transparent anyway, for the God's sake. Put a steam in her up and take his eyes off her as she's walked in. Dryad silk. It never creases or tears. I'm also wearing a crystal amulet. You said I just had my robe. Hmm. Dryad silk. Do that as it may, doesn't it just uh, shout out, Hey, orc, come and stab me in my bare midriff. I got all my vital organs here. I wear this kind of armor for mobility and comfort. Why take a blow when you can just dodge out of the way? You guys go right ahead and wear 80 pounds of metal armor and slog it out with the big uglies while Waki and I dance circles around those heavy idiots and tear them to ribbons before they even realize it. Besides, you wouldn't believe how many creatures, human and non-human alike, that I've run through with my sword while they were staring at my breasts. Sex can be an armor all by itself. I've never been hit yet. Now it takes us once. Hey, take it easy over there, Arnie. I think his codpiece ain't fitting right anymore. Really, Steven, are you still staring? Show some respect, man. They're going to be our battle cohort soon. No, it isn't that. I was just transfixed with her eyes. Are your eyes actually glowing green, Makia? As I'm sure you know, my race all have keen night vision, which normally makes our eyes reflect light, like a cat or a wolf. In my case, being a sorceress makes my eyes glow from the mana that flows through my blood. So, um, uh, uh, Wakia, I'm, uh, I'm most interested in sorcery in general, uh, academically speaking, of course. Uh, uh, now, uh, your powers come to you naturally, then. You don't, uh, have to, uh, study your spells from, uh, books and such. Mm-hmm. No, wizards toiled over that sort of thing to be able to harness the arcane. They would burst into flames if they actually channel mana like sorcerers do. Sorcerers are born, not trained. No amount of study can teach you to wield mana like we do. Mm, fascinating. Now, um, you know where your power comes from uh, precisely? Uh, Drizzlebrack the Wise uh, claims that sorcerers uh, gain their power from packs with the creatures from the Outer Plains, whereas uh, Mazenoble uh, hypothesizes that uh, sorcerers claim a direct line to uh, ancient dragons. Uh, could you uh, possibly uh, shine some light as to the uh, particulars? Uh, yeah, the, well, all the uh, magic mumbo-jumbo is fascinating and all, I'm sure. Why don't you two uh, talk some shop over some food? Uh, everybody take a seat, uh, swap some war stories, see what everybody's been up to. fortune teller steps out of her wagon. Looks like she's going to start casting a spell. A trigger-happy archer, this dude named uh, Blackman, sinks two arrows into her chest. Nearly kills her. So we take off and come back to their camp the next morning. Brother Steven here, ever the diplomat, finds a caravan leader and the first thing out of his mouth is, sorry we shot your mom. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. It didn't didn't quite happen that way exactly. Blackman, huh? We had this guy named Bloodclaw in our last group. Remember him, Wakia? Poor bastard fell right down some kind of ventilation shaft in the last dungeon. Wakia cast a fly spell and went down a few hundred feet to find him at the bottom. There wasn't enough of him to bring back up, so there he remains. Oh, brutal. Have you ever noticed those guys with the made-up names like that always seem to be tools? 
What's got like blood or shadow or talon or dark or wolf or moon or hawk or something like that in their name? So it's like they take one from column A, one from column B. So there's some dudes his names like Blood Wolf or Dark Moon or Nighthawk or Blood Hawk Wolf Wing Shitstorm. I'm always a little leery. Talent usually doesn't live up to the name. Ugh, and I hate it when they put their profession or their race in their name. That is so stupid. Hello, I'm Elf Druid, or I'm Dark Warrior, Goddess Come On. I've always laughed at the thought of where a name like that comes from. The two parents are looking down at their beautiful newborn baby, and they look at each other lovingly and say, Oh, let's name him Death Rage. <laughs> a bit pretentious to name yourself something like that, I think. Hey, moment! Is this our mysterious benefactor at last? Nah. Hey, Steven. It's the guy Mr. Spooky here with the hooded cloak and the black mask. Well, met stranger. I am uh, Rothnar, leader of this merry band. Who might you be? I am the shadow that slips through the forest and leaves no trace. Hunted for, I cannot be tracked. Listened for, I cannot be heard. My twin blades thirst for the blood of my enemies, and they are legion. Arrows from my mighty bow fly swift and true. None can match my skill. Uh, not much for timeliness, though. Well, if you live up to that, then you're more than welcome to join us. What's your name there, Ranger? I am known throughout the land as Shadow Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> He's got two of them in there. What's so funny? Hello again, darling. It's been far too long. I can only get some naked chick. Maybe there is something to this whole naming thing. Well, the name Bloodclaw is free. Well, Alrighty then, let's get pressed! Good lords, it's a beard with legs. Uh, worse, it's a dwarf. <laughs> Where's the ale? When we start cleaving some skulls, lads? Ah, don't mind if I do. Ah, well met, friend dwarf. <laughs> I am uh, Rothnar, and this is our company. Ah. <coughs> Frodek Grimgaslar, at your service. Avax will travel as long as there's ale. All right, you two. Well, take a seat. The patron's supposed to be here soon. Hey, Ah, speak of the devil. Well, met Rothnar and assembled party. Well, looks to be a hale and hearty crew. Allow me to uh, introduce myself and let you know the reason why I've summoned you all here. I am Sir Reginald Greybeard of the Imperial Guard. I served the Imperial line faithfully for 58 years until the death of the last Emperor. Yes, yeah, so that would have been uh, Emperor Faustino Thade uh, the second of the year of uh, 1257 AE, if I'm not mistaken, which uh, I'm sure is not the case. Uh, yes, uh, as you say, 1257 in, in spring, I seem to recall. Since then, I have uh, wandered this entire continent looking for a way to find some peace. Wait a minute. I hate to interrupt you, but the numbers don't add up. It's 1423. I know some of the other races, like elves and dwarves, can live to be several hundred years old, but that would make you... 249, yes. That's impossible, even in Borada Hatuk. You look no older than a man in your 70s. That brings me precisely to my point, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, as I said before, I have uh, roamed this land seeking peace. So I have decided where I have failed alone, perhaps a seasoned team of stalwart adventurers such as yourselves could lead me on this last and hopefully lethal mission. 
Uh, you say hopefully lethal, as if one of the goals of the quest is that one or more of us dies? Oh, most certainly. But I think you will misunderstand my meaning. When I say that I hope someone dies in our quest, the person that I hope to die is me. Why does someone with a name like Shadow Wolf get the naked chick? Is he all that, or is he just hype? Did Arden Glenfin Gallon pack a potion to keep his allergies in check? Will they have enough ale to keep the dwarf from trashing the place? Who is this Sir Greybeard, and why does he want to die? Is it his destiny, or is he nuttier than a Salcidian fruitcake? And how many of our adventurers are doomed to Sir Greybeard's fate as well? Tune in again next time for these answers and more in the next chapter of The Epic Adventurers! In this episode, the parts of all male characters were played by Sean T. Young, Shalina was played by Sherry Young, and Wakia was played by Willow Young. Additional voices were supplied by Esme and Malcolm Young. The music tracks Take a Chance, Ritual, Call to Adventure, Master of the Feast, and Greta Sting were from Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com, with other music from Peter Keister at https colon forward slash forward slash soundcloud.com forward slash keister. Various other sound effects were from www.freesound.org. Follow the Epic Adventurers on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and SoundCloud. What have you found? We're getting a clear signal, but somehow Gun for Dinosaur was shorn from the RSS feed and and drawn like a rip in the fabric down through the pod space. If this has happened to damage the fabric of the past, what about a new area of the audiosphere, man? Yes. What's up next? If we leave now, we can reach the final episode of Harbingers of Calamity's The Beginner's Guide to Interplanetary Destruction. You coming, Bill? I did like that. I'll wait here and keep an eye on the Broken Sea audio productions. Gotta kaboom everything. Anything with violence... Is it Broken Sea Production? <laughs> anyway, evil overlord sound there. All right. I'll signal you if anything else shows up. And amigo? Yeah? Find me back at the Grog and Griffin if you need me. I'm heading there now. <laughs> Sorry, one must always carry an audio broadsword. <laughs> Until next time. The Sonic Society Season 10 is written and produced by Jack J. Ward and David Alt, with original music provided by Sharon B. at SharonB.com. All features, interviews and audio drama shorts are owned completely by their originators and provided to the Sonic Society through Creative Commons licensing. The Sonic Society itself originates from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Tonight's guest star was Bill Holwick from Broken Sea Audio Productions.
This has been an Electric Vicuna production. You are listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home.